Mira la izquierda. Mira la derecha. ¿Qué ves? ¿Dónde estás? In a world that seems to change daily, what will you do next? Welcome to the Next Steps Show with Peter Vasquez and co-host Aisha Kreutz. A starting point for discussion y un poco de dirección. Buenos días, buenas tardes. Si soy yo, tu conservative New Yorkan Peter Vasquez, aquí on the Next Steps Show como every day at noon. Y si, guess what? It's Friday. And guess who's joining us on Fridays? Yo, dog. Yo, dog. What's up, dog? What's up, dog? Who let the dogs out? Who? 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 Anyways, boy, boy, we lose it. ¿Cómo está, señor? Vos we lose it very quickly. Doing huh? swell, thanks. Swell. See, swell. he meant to say, estoy bien, by the way. Just saying, just saying. It's been swell, but the swelling's gone down now. Uh, <laughs> hey, guys, we're going to bring our guest right. I'm going to do my introduction, and I'm going to bring our guest on. What do you think? Are you? I love it, I love it. Ladies and gentlemen, 346-3000, I hope you're having a fantastic morning. Let's have a fantastic next hour because today, guess what? Today we have invited an educator, a leader with a rich background in public service, now running for Congress to represent the state of, is it the Commonwealth or the state? I always forget. It's the state. The yeah. state. The state well, of Puerto Rico is a Commonwealth thing. Uh, okay. It's not, it's not the same thing. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. All right, so let's do that. Representing the state of Virginia's 7th district, driven by concerns over parental rights, education, national security, and failing economy. He's got to be running in New York, not Virginia. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> with, with experience as an executive director... Um, of the White House Initiative on Educational Excellence for African Americans, our guest aims to address these critical issues and advocate for families and you. Ladies and gentlemen, it is truly my honor today to introduce El Señor Terius E. Todd. Bienvenido al Next Step Show, Señor Todd. Well, hello. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, truly a blessing and honor to be with you all today. I greatly appreciate this opportunity and your flexibility, by the way, uh, for allowing me to call in. Because uh, as I said, you know, I'm, you know, I'm kind of tied up here with another meeting <laughs> at one o'clock. So, so let's get in, and I want to do both. So, uh, so anyway, thank you guys for the flexibility. I appreciate it. Absolutely. We listen. We'll get your word out. We'll get this interview done and have you at your meeting right at one o one. Appreciate it. <laughs> Wonderful. So, so, Atarius, and of course, we have the extraordinary machine, Miss Aisha Kreutz, here in studio with us, sir. Yes. Hello, sir. <laughs> Hi Miss... there. Thanks for the invite. <laughs> Absolutely. We That's love it. you. We love you. You know that, brother. Love you guys back, man. I'm looking forward to it. So, sir, before we get talking into the interview, so, so, you know, before we get talking into what you do, I, I'd like to ask you to define a word for me, if that's okay with you. Sure. All right. If you can, for our listeners, please define the word stewardship. Stewardship. Oh, that's a good one. Um, well, stewardship is really service. Um, stewardship is service without really the uh, expectation of anything in return, uh, to be honest with you, or true stewardship. As a matter of fact, that's been my leadership approach um, for my entire professional career, uh, and really as a, as a um, teenager as well. I mean, my mother made for sure that my brothers and I were always 
uh, being good stewards over what God has given us. And so, um, mm. so anything it's, it's, so anyway, it's just oversight, it's management, um, and, and it's also uh, service. It's, it's service and not looking for anything in return. And, um, you know, being a good steward, for example, over your finances, you know, uh, not just taking in money and just recklessly just spending it like our government is doing now, but, um, but taking it in and being very responsible, um, being responsible stewards or overseers uh, of what's been given. So that way you can um, uh, get the best or most maximum impact um, by you being a good steward and being able to save and invest where it's, you know, necessary and whatnot, or to your benefit and maybe even the benefit of others in some cases. But, but that's what stewardship is. It's just simply service without anything in return. Absolutely. Thank you for that. And I got to ask if an elected official or as an elected official, isn't it their primary focus to be stewards of their uh, constituency? Not just the money. That's right. That's right. You're absolutely right. You know, um, I'm a former um, five-term elected county official as well uh, back in my home state of uh, Michigan. And um, it's interesting you say that because one of the very first things that I had done every year, you know, God always, I'm a Christian man as well, but but uh, when we talk about a tithe, for example, one of the things I used to do uh, with the money that I had received being a county commissioner at that time is I would always dedicate or donate that money back into the community. So what my wife and I had done is we divided up uh, my check like in six different ways. And so that money went to six different families that I knew were low-income families in need of, um, you know, some support, financial support in uh, paying their utilities bills, for example. And, you know, and that's not something that, you know, you parade around and you, t- you talk about, but, uh, but it's important that people know that true stewardship is exactly that, you know, because uh, that's what it's about. Another thing that I did um, uh, while I was serving uh, for five terms as elected official uh, I also re- re- uh, rejected um, an increase, a pay increase for the entire time. Um, I think nine out of the ten years that I was there, and that one year that I think I agreed, and I might have, if I remember right, I'm, I can't remember if I actually agreed to it or not, but, but I know nine out of the ten years I rejected it. That one year that we did approve it and agree with it is because it was at the uh, discretion of our county administrator as well as our county council. Uh, because they said, well, we need to pay now or pay later. So they, they strongly suggested that we agree to that. So I denied my increase, and then I also denied the health care benefits as well, because it, in, a, in, a, in essence it was actually a cost savings to the American people and those who were taxpayers. Right. So, so anyway, that's an example that I can share, and there's many others, of course, but that's an example that I can share as being a former elected official on the county level where I actually denied myself and I, you know, uh, rather preferred – uh, the taxpayers ahead of me instead of just, you know, seeking for myself. So, so yeah. So, so, hey, is there any way that we can convince you to kind of relocate here to Monroe <laughs> County? And- <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> you know what? And, I, and I'm glad you said that because I'm just now actually sharing it. So the folks in New York and all over the country who's listening today, this is the very first time that I actually shared that, that information with anybody. Uh, because, again, me being a humble guy, um, you know, you, you, you don't parade around. You don't look for any praises or anything like that. But you just simply do what God has called you to do. And I know that God has called me to government So um, because I'm, I've been a great steward and I truly believe in servant leadership. And so this is the way that we do it. So, so just let the record show that Trump wasn't the first person signing his checks over. <laughs> Absolutely. No, and I'm glad you mentioned it. And I'll tell you, yeah. I'm, I'm, we're pretty involved in politics. I'm running for county clerk here in Monroe County. Nice. I, I'll tell okay. you. One of the biggest issues that I've had, and people have called me on this many times, is why aren't I promoting things that I do? 
like when we go out and feed the, the, the homeless on Christmas yeah. morning with the kids. Yeah. Like, you know, the things yep. we do on Sundays outside of church. That's right. That's right. But yeah. th- that is my biggest struggle, so I can completely understand. All right. I, I, you know what? You said something that I've got to follow up on before I start asking you a bunch of questions. You, sure. you mentioned servant leadership. I know. <laughs> I, I love that concept. I love the word synergy. Aisha hates him. But, but sir, no, it, it's... No, wait o- a second. I love servant leadership. I just... The word synergy. It's just a little... Well, servant leadership <laughs> creates it's synergy. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, that's all. But, sir, I wanted to ask you... Um, because it, it, servant leadership is a concept, especially right. around here, that gets thrown around like chocolate candy, right? And yeah. and I've always looked at that because I've always used the word too, but I think it's kind of outplayed a little bit. But can I ask you, is is isn't leadership in itself by 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 its very nature require you to be a servant? So saying servant Come leadership on. isn't that redundant? That's my, but they better elect you, man. You're yeah. absolutely right. You're at, but no, 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 no. That's, 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 that's absolutely it. Because, like, for me personally, again, I see it all as ministry for me personally. But, I mean, but, but you're absolutely right. That's exactly what leadership is. True leadership is mm-hmm. followership, is, if that's such a word. But a true leader is one that also brings others along and mentor right. them along the way. And they also know when their time is up. You know what I mean? When you get people staying past... You know, uh, I guess, I don't know, I can't say they're welcome, but, but, you know, I've also been a proponent for term limits, for example. So Mm -hmm. I'm the guy that's saying, okay, well, I'm going to go and serve in Congress up until a certain point until the Lord tells me it's time to go now. But, But I believe that that should be a limit, because what happens is it keeps people humble. It keeps it keeps the fraud and the and the corruption out of there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think at a better rate. Um, but when they hang out for fifty years, forty years, and it becomes like just this entitlement, it becomes a situation where it, it's like a a, a, cert, a ruling class almost. Mm-hmm. You know, that's where we start getting into some trouble, man. You know, yeah. and um, but I believe fresh eyes, fresh ears, fresh perspectives, and stuff should always be cycling in and out. But you're right. Leadership truly is about serving. You know, Jesus came that we, that he, you know, to serve, not to be served. And so I don't know why people who would even consider themselves as quote unquote followers of him see it the other way around that they came to be served. And that's exactly what's happening. And I think what's what's happening happening in Congress, Mm -hmm. they just desire. I mean, you think about it, it's the best gig in town when everyone else during COVID was in the soup line, losing their businesses, losing homes or whatever. Just think about it. Those folks never lost a paycheck. No, not even you know what I mean? a little bit. Their, their, their checks didn't halt. Their checks, did, you know what I mean? They didn't have to worry about where their next meal or, or anything were coming from. They didn't have to worry about whether or not they could pay their bills. But but the American people did. You know, so that that's kind of backwards, you know what I mean, to me. But uh, but anyway, I won't get on that. I know you got to ask me some questions. But Absolutely. <laughs> I'm this. So, so check it out. We're going to pick up these questions when I get back. Great conversation so far. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, 343 346-3000. The New York Conservative wants to hear from you. We'll be right back after these messages right here on the WYSL Studios. No te vayas.
In the Rochester and Finger Lakes region, one name stands above all others for real estate appraisal and advice. Ryan Murphy and Associates. This full-service real estate appraisal company can appraise and advise on purchase and sales decisions, mortgage finance feasibility, estate, matrimonial, partnership buyouts, litigation, and more for any type of property, both residential and commercial. Ryan Murphy was founded almost 40 years ago. All of our highly trained staff members have at least 20 years of experience. All our appraisers are either New York State certified, general, or residential real estate appraisers. Ryan Murphy and Associates. Start here. RYNNEMurphy.com. Youth for Christ Rochester needs to grow. Our kids are telling us they don't feel safe in their neighborhoods or rec centers, and they're asking us to be open more. And thanks to your support, we will. We're adding a weeknight and Saturday mornings to our basketball program. We're adding a second Arts Academy Friday night. And we're adding a second P31 girls class on Saturdays. But we need your help. $25 per month funds a kid for a year. Give your best gift to yfcrochester.org slash donate. Advertising on the WYSL stations is both affordable and effective, but it's so much more than that. When your business or professional practice has a presence on the voice of liberty, you connect with a patriotic, awake, and aware audience that cares about society, our families, our schools, our values, and our future. And our listeners appreciate you and respond. We can end the madness together. For truth and freedom, the WYSL stations, the voice of liberty. Call 346-3000 to advertise today. Peter Vasquez and Next Step Show on the WYSL stations. Welcome back to the Next Step Show, ladies and gentlemen. Si, todavía tenemos al señor Todd. Todd, thank you. Or Mr. Todd, thank you for hanging out with us. Sure. How about we start asking questions? What do you think? Are you ready for some hard questions? Because, you know, you can't run for office, come on the show, and we don't beat you up. <laughs> I'm ready for the question. I'll do the best to answer. Them. <laughs> all right, all right. So, so the first tough question up uh, that I have for you is: Tell us about Terius E. Todd before you became the the Terius E. Todd that you are today. Your life journey. What next steps you took yeah. to make you the man you are today? If we want to know about you now, I'll go read your bio on your website. Right? Sure, I don't know what sure. made you. The next steps you took. You know what? Uh, very good question, and uh, it, it, and I'm glad you said it's a hard question because it's hard to stuff it into three to five minutes. So I'm glad we got some time here. Um, the Terrace Todd uh, in the East stands for Eugene. My middle name is Eugene. So the Terrace Todd. Before I got to this point, I was born and raised in the city of Battle Creek, Michigan. Uh, I'm the youngest of three boys um, uh, to a single mom. My mother never married. Um, <clears throat> I, um, of course, graduated high school. Went on to uh, Norfolk State University here in the uh, state of Virginia, uh, fresh out of high school as a freshman. Then I transferred back to Michigan uh, and got my both of my degrees um, from Western Michigan University, uh, a bachelor's in you know ed, uh, elementary ed, and then a master's in educational leadership. Um, but in early 2000s, man, I found myself. Uh, I am married, by the way. I'm married, uh, happily married to one wife, of course. And uh, it'll be 25 years, July 3rd of this year. I have three amazing daughters um, that are 18, 20, and 22. They're awesome. I have two in college, one that's on her way to med school as well. But early 2000s, um, just to fast forward, um, you know, of course, I was involved in sports and all that stuff coming up too. But early 2000s, I found myself to, uh, when I look back, I, I realize I've been answering the call. And uh, in early 2000, I answered the call of a 
Army sergeant who was um, who had called me to serve as a civil service commissioner for the fire department. And uh, immediately after that, then that's when I also became uh, a county commissioner, and I served, again, five terms. And then uh, from there, I moved on into uh, state government. So, again, I was answering another call of a retired lieutenant colonel in the United States Air Force who called me to join his campaign uh, to work in the state legislature. So not only did he uh, flip that seat um, in a 56%, 57% Democrat base, but we went on to the state legislature, and then he got reelected as well uh, for a second term, and then he went on into the, uh, into the Senate. And so from there, then I moved on and took on a role, because education is my background, so I went on and, um, uh, to serve in a role as a director of a Head Start program for Community Action of South Central Michigan, uh, where I was a director for four and a half years. And even prior to that, I worked in the local public school system. I'm a former sixth-grade uh, social studies teacher. Oh, fun. And then, um, oh, yeah. And when I tell people sixth grade, they're like, oh, my. <laughs> I said, but I loved them, though. But uh, former sixth grade social studies teacher, and then I went into administration serving as one of the assistant principals at the high school level. And that's where I remained uh, for the remainder of my career in education. And then I also served on the collegiate level. I was an adjunct instructor for like eight years. And so I've been on every spectrum of, of, of education, so from preschool all the way to post-secondary. Um, but I also served, um, you know, obviously in government on every level. And so it's been quite the journey, man. And so um, when my bishop told me about 10-plus years ago, he literally told me, he said, Todd, he said, the Lord is sending you to Washington, D.C. And I said, really? He said, yes. He said, the Lord showed me that. And so I, was, I got to thinking, because even after I left the state legislature, I also became the vice chairman of the Michigan Republican Party. And, uh, and then I was in my second term as vice chairman of the state party when I received and answered the call of the office of the United States president in 2020, um, uh, President Trump's office or administration, to serve in the, um, uh, in the White House for an initiative that they had at the Department of Education. So that prophetic word that I received actually came to fruition. And now what's interesting, and, and I want all the listeners to hear this, uh, keep in mind I did not even fill out an application. So I didn't apply for anything. Somehow I got a call that I answered again saying that they had my resume. And I said, and before we hung up the phone, I said, well, how did you get my resume? And the lady said, honestly, I don't know how I got your resume. <laughs> and I said, I said, well, praise the Lord. I said, I know how you got it. And so so again, this word became flesh, right? So now I'm being called by the office of the President of the United States to bring me to Washington. While I'm here, uh, I then start getting visions of me being in Congress, speaking on the House floor, me being sworn in and all that stuff. And then I told my bishop, he said, keep seeing yourself there because that's really where God is taking you. I said, really? So then I had to pray about that. So when my term came to an end um, with the previous administration, I also received another call from the Heritage Foundation. So yeah. um, my, my beloved VP, uh, Angela Saylor, uh, bless her heart, she called me. She said, what are your plans going forward? I said, Angela, I believe the Lord sent me here, so I plan to be here. And she said, I like that answer because we have an opportunity for you here at the Heritage Foundation if you're willing to take it. I said, awesome, I would take it. And so that's where I served for two and a half years. I started out as program manager of civil society in the American Dialogue, but then I ended up uh, getting um, moved into another role, my title changed to advisor of coalitions engagement, which while I was traveling the country, um, speaking um, mainly to like faith-based organizations, churches and whatnot, faith-based leaders, 
But then I also delved into um, in education because that was my background. So I've sat on multiple different panels, you know, in Colorado, Florida, all over to talk about critical race theory and these kind of things that's entering into our school system and whatnot and how do we push back against those things. And, um, and so, yeah, so, again, long story short, that's kind of how I got to where I am now, to where now I'm running for um, a congressional position to serve the people of the uh, 7th Congressional District of Virginia. And so it's truly a blessing and honor, and I, and I hope and pray that um, we uh, get their support and then we get there in November. Absolutely. So, you know, and I'm glad you, you again, re, uh, reiterated that you're running, and this is important. Why would I have you on a show in New York? Well, two things. I want people to see that the issues that we're dealing with in this state is happening yeah. throughout the country. And the thing yeah, is, once you're in Congress, your mm-hmm. votes are going to 100 percent impact yes, New York State. And, and we need somebody there that's going to kind of say, no, I'm going to hold my vote there because mm-hmm. we're just yeah. we don't have it in New York State. So. I applaud you, sir, very much. All right, so, so right on to your platform. Well, actually, can you define something real quick, which is your role as the executive director for the White House Initiative on Educational Excellence for African Americans? That's a mouthful. Um, that is a mouthful. What, what, uh, what was that? What did you do there? I'm assuming they don't have it anymore. Well, what they did is they actually they changed the title of it and focus, and it was still kind of trying to fulfill the same thing, but... Um, but my role at that time, <clears throat> keep in mind, this was an initiative that was launched in the summer of 2012. So it actually was something that was launched during the Obama administration uh, during those years. And um, it was just there. And I worked alongside uh, the HBCU initi- initiative as well, which was removed from the uh, Department of Ed over into the White House. So they literally, uh, President Trump had literally taken that office and moved it into the White House because that's where they guaranteed HBCUs uh, permanent funding for up to $250 million for 10 years. And so I did work alongside those folks. I was more so on the K-12 side of things, but then I also dealt with post-secondary as well, um, issues as well. But the main role was to oversee that initiative and make for sure that I was partnering with not just public but also private sector to address some of the issues that most African-American students across the country were being faced with in their uh, in their local communities. For example, one of the very first uh, virtual roundtable. Now this was all virtual stuff because again, I came in during the time of COVID, so a lot of things were shut down, so we couldn't travel as much. But we utilized technology, right? So it, it brought us together with other um, leaders across the country that were doing very innovative things to uh, impact education as well. So one of the very first virtual roundtables that I had was dealing with fatherhood, because I realized that. You know, so goes the family, so goes everything else. And that is the stem of or the the foundation of my campaign. It's really to fight on behalf of families because families is the cornerstone of a civil society, hands down. I mean, you know, and so um, and so we dealt with fatherhood deals and making sure that fathers were uh, fully engaged in their uh, children's lives on the educational side of things, you know. And so um, so we had some men on there and uh, we were interviewing and we had discussions around some of the initiatives that they had uh, in different states like Georgia in, in the city of Atlanta. One gentleman there had um, had a program that he had where they uh, were uh, supplying books, you know, like to barbershop like that for children to read and for fathers to read with their children while they're sitting waiting for their haircut uh, because it created a better uh, chance for them in literacy. So they were addressing the literacy issue. And so, um, but it also, um, uh, that, that roundtable also was dealing with the fact that 
uh, even though fathers are challenged with some things like, for example, uh, having been incarcerated at some point, then how do they return back into the community and get engaged in the school system, right? And so we dealt with all those kind of things, but then also dealt with the private sector um, to, you know, the challenges that are being faced in rural communities. So some rural communities uh, were challenged with ex- accessing the Internet you know, broadband and getting Internet into their communities. And so um, we spoke with some people from AT&T that had a program where one of the things they had was putting buses, right? They put bus, school buses into these rural communities, and they supplied the Wi-Fi or hotspots on a bus so that way children in those communities could actually access or get access to the Internet so they can continue to do their schoolwork. So those are some of the creative things. And then also... Um, at another roundtable around technology and whatnot, and um, which is interesting because three years later, my youngest daughter, who's at Clark Atlanta right now, she benefited from this program uh, with the guy that I initially interviewed on one of my roundtables three, four years ago, <laughs> which gave her a scholarship opportunity uh, because she's going into be a software engineer. So it was focused on STEM careers, but specifically those who were going into like computer science. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey Terius, yes or no? Does education have to be complicated? No, not at all. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to El Señor Terrius E. Todd. We'll be right back right here on the Next Step Show to conservative New York Rican. Y hoy con la señora Aisha Kreutzi. Regresamos. We'll be right back. Don't you change that dial. And Next Step's brought to you by the real estate appraisal firm of uh, <laughs> Ryan Murphy and Associates. Commercial and residential realty appraisals for decades in the Finger Lakes and the Rochester region. Thank you very much for sponsoring the show, and we'll be right back. Peter Vasquez and Next Step Show on the WYSL stations. And once again, here's your coffee-soaked hosts... Peter Vasquez. Oh, dear. Talking about telling on me. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to El Show Proximo. Check this out. Hey, 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 Bob, how do you say hello in Spanish? Hola. Oh, man, I thought I was going to get him on that one. Whatever. I think everybody knows that. (laughs) I know. I was just trying to be funny. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Next Step Show. Hey, check this out. New York State is home to approximately 580... Uh, 1,856 <laughs> veterans, making up 3.7% of the state's adult uh, uh, civilian population. But 30.3% of that veteran population lives with some type of bis- uh, disability. Now, in the United States, there's approximately 16.5 million veterans with a significant portion also living with disabilities, 11.9 million. There's 16.5 million veterans, 11.9 living with disabilities. That seems like way more than 50% of our veterans in this country are suffering. And listen, I'm a veteran, and I've said it before. If you think that the VA, which does great stuff, is health insurance, then I, I tell you this. Trade your private health insurance with my VA health insurance, and then let's have that conversation. Mr. Terius Itat, Señor Gracia, for staying with us. Uh, you know, on your, on your website... Uh, and I read these statistics on veterans because you have uh, as a as a pla- on your platform supporting our veterans and, mi- and military families, and I'm quoting Absolutely. here from your site, should be the priority 
of every elected official. Um, right. and, and, and I kind of shortened it there, but what, 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 what are you, what's your plan for that? Because as a veteran, that's important to me. Brother, I'll tell you what. Um, if I hadn't had all of the scholarships that I was given to go to college, and again, I was, I'm the only... I'm the third. I'm the youngest three boys of my mom's, um, and the only one to go because a goal was of mine was to graduate college, or whatever. So I'm the first and only one to do that out of my mom's kids, a son, should I say? Uh, but if I hadn't received those scholarships to go on to um, college, uh, I was headed to the Marines. And um, and the deal is, is man, for me, my plan as the congressman of the seventh congressional district here in Virginia, um, it, it's beyond me. In the stats you just shared that they would be still struggling to even just get the basics, the basic necessities that are needed for them and their families from this country. You mean to tell me that we have veterans that are homeless, we have veterans that are, are, are um, dealing with all these issues, mental health issues, you name it, the, the, the list goes on and on. And so when I put that as far, part of my platform, is it's simply because of that, because my heart really goes out to veterans and their families. It was beyond me now. You mentioned about the VA. I also add to this, it's, it's beyond me that we would need organizations like Tunnel to Towers that's doing great work. You should donate to them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and also um, the, other, the other organizations that are helping veterans when, when our government should be doing that's that. Right. You know what I mean? Like, why, I mean, I mean they, should, they can be an added plus, an added addition, but, but why, is, why is it that our government is not helping to fund these issues? Because guess what? Not only do they suffer these issues, their families do. Right. Their children do because they don't get 100% of their father or mother when they return from war or when they return from service, serving our country. You know, they're not at 100%. So I say that the, 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 the country or Congress should be 100% backing you all in regards to whatever you need so that way your families don't have to suffer as well. So anyway, so when I say that I'm for veterans and families, exactly what I mean. So I've been a part of the American Legion for a number of years. And as a matter of fact, when Lord brought me here, that was one of the first things that I had done. I joined the American Legion here, Post 364 here in Woodbridge, Virginia, because I love the camaraderie. Again, like I said, I was headed to the Marines had I not gotten scholarships to go to college. But, but I love the camaraderie, and I love the fact of the loyalty piece. And I think that's really what gets me is because loyalty for me is at the top of the list. So when you talk about simplify, I'm all in, you know. And uh, as a matter of fact, um, when, when, I, when I go there and I fellowship with these people um, over the year, or should, should I say been fellowship with these people over the years, man, it just it's, it's, it, feels, it feel, literally feels like family, man, to be honest with you. And so, um, so anyway, that's why I, I could not – I could not add them, not add them to my platform because I know they are a priority and they should be a priority to every elected official. Yep. I know some people do the lip service thing, but but I'm saying that why would we not back them 100 percent? It's beyond me. So I, I was reading a report that shows that in the United States, they're reporting in 2023 that there were 40,401 veterans Mm-hmm. Um, homeless in this country, and when we look at what's going on in the border and everywhere else, and and, and yeah. free money and and everything right. else, that's it's right. like, wait a minute, this is too high. Yeah, that, I mean, that's just what I was going to say. Is you know, Terry, as you brought up that, you know, 
the government should right should be doing something. These other organizations should be mm-hmm. you know supplemental mm-hmm. to it, right? That's but this right. is an actual function of our American government of what they should be doing, right? Yeah. Instead of you know some of these uh, social issues, whether you know paying for abortions versus paying for homes for yeah. veterans. Um, again, mm-hmm. all the things that are happening in the uh, on the border is a is a great. Um, indication of how lost that we are, where we're paying, yeah. you know, a hundred and, you know, two hundred dollars, hundred and fifty dollars a night for an illegal alien to yeah. have somewhere to stay, but not to have yeah. one of our veterans somewhere to stay. And True. that's the part I think people have to understand about shrinking our government, smaller that's government. Right. Here are the things that you should be doing as mm-hmm. our government. Right. And mm-hmm. we want you to do those things and do those things well and let us, we the citizens, do everything else that maybe that's need right. to happen. Yeah. And, and not right. to yeah, minimize but- people coming into this country legally. I mean, we had yeah, Luis Martinez. Right. Right. I, said for- I said Yeah, I said illegal. You know, we want, I mean, I think right now we, you know, again, we might disagree here, but I think we have to stop all immigration for a little while because we we already have 10 million plus illegals and we have to really rectify it. And that's happened before yeah, in see, America. We are going to disagree yeah, because I don't think happened. we should punish the people that are trying to get I'm here saying, legally we because yeah, we've had yeah, yeah. You know, in America, we stopped all immigration for about 15 years or so. So because we had such an influx, because people have to be able to assimilate into this society and become quote unquote American. And, mm-hmm. and, and we can't do that if it's just a continuous, open, porous um, Terrius, place. What, what do you say? No, I agree. I agree with both of you guys. I mean, you both make great points. I mean, you know, um, uh, the illegal piece, you know, human nature, again, uh, if, if put it this way, if I'm allowed to, to invade into a country, per se, if I'm allowed to invade into a country or invade your space or break your laws, Human nature will say, well, hmm, what else can I get away with? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But, but not only invade it, but also roll the red carpet out for them, giving them uh, spending cards, giving them spending <laughs> subsidies that you, the American people, are paying, it for, paying for it, by the way. But if I can do all of that, then what else can I do? And keep in mind, that's taken away from, again, the, uh, the, the, the opportunity for us to do even more for veterans and their families. Uh, I'll give you another thing. So the Department of Education, that's another hot, hot topic. Some people believe we should dissolve it. And I'm on the side where I do agree with that simply because we have billions of dollars going into the Department of Education that only has about about approximately 9% interest in the school system to begin with. And keep in mind, the the Department of Education was developed or or launched to try and help close the achievement gap between, you know, uh, low-income families or, should I say, ethnic minorities and Caucasians. You know what I mean? So, but but to this day, the the, the achievement gap... The achievement gap didn't move. Right. Absolutely. You know, well, and we'll be right back, Terius, um, Mr. Todd, right after these messages here on WYSL, 1040 AM, 92.1 FM and 95.5 FM. We'll be right back. Don't touch that dial.
In the Rochester and Finger Lakes region, one name stands above all others for real estate appraisal and advice. Ryan Murphy and Associates. This full-service real estate appraisal company can appraise and advise on purchase and sales decisions, mortgage finance feasibility, estate, matrimonial, partnership buyouts, litigation, and more for any type of property, both residential and commercial. Ryan Murphy was founded almost 40 years ago. All of our highly trained staff members have at least 20 years of experience. All our appraisers are either New York State certified, general, or residential real estate appraisers. Ryan Murphy and Associates. Start here. RYNNEMurphy.com. The difference is dignity. At Open Door Mission, we open our arms and hearts to help those in need. We treat every one of our guests with respect and dignity. No matter the road that led to us, Open Door Mission is here to help. Give your support at opendoormission.com. Has your favorite pizza place been letting you down? Try Livingston County Pizza Company and Gluten-Free Bakery in Avon. Not only is their pizza amazing, but their full menu and bakery has something for everyone. Livingston County Pizza Company and Gluten-Free Bakery, Avon. Advertising on the WYSL stations is both affordable and effective, but it's so much more than that. When your business or professional practice has a presence on the voice of liberty, you connect with a patriotic, awake, and aware audience that cares about society, our families, our schools, our values, and our future. And our listeners appreciate you and respond. We can end the madness together. For truth and freedom, the WYSL stations, the voice of liberty. Call 346-3000 to advertise today. Next Steps with Peter Vasquez on the WYSL stations. And Next Steps with Peter and Aisha brought to you by Ryan Murphy and Associates Commercial and Residential Real Estate Appraisals in the Finger Lakes and Rochester. Here's Aisha. We're back. Thank you for staying with us. Um, we have Mr. Terrius E. Todd on the line with us, the illustrious. Um, and I wanted to get to, you know, we're getting close to the end here, so we wanted to cup, touch a couple other things. And sure. uh, Peter had a question that was on here, and it really falls into something that has been permeating in my brain Um and it falls into your platform as well. We know um, what happens when things permeate in your brain. I know. It's dangerous. <laughs> it's dangerous. But, you know, you were talking, you know, and part of your platform, fostering the growth and development of African yeah. Af- American entrepreneurship with mm-hmm. wise and well-advised fiscal decision and government that allows mm-hmm. families to flourish economically. True. Right? True. And, yep. and in that, um, you know, I hear – and again, I don't think this is necessarily the road you're going down, but I just wanted to get your perspective and then you can go you know, back into your platform. Sure. You know, we hear a lot right now, you know, about the black power, spending black dollars in black oh. communities and all mm-hmm. of these things. And although, mm-hmm. right, I mean, I look at, you know, whether it's Italian community, Jewish community, how they spend and, and bind together, Chinese, right? They come yeah, in yeah. and they're spending their money together and, and saying, okay. Yeah. So mm-hmm. in, in one aspect, right, there's three points here. And, and I just want to know how you think they all coalesce together. Mm-hmm. But and and I understand that, and I agree with that, right? And I do think, yeah, yeah you got to support one another. We think about Black Wall Street, all of these things, yeah, rich heritage, right. how things were broken apart. That's but right. then there's also this idea of good entrepreneurship. If your hours are five, nine to five, and you close at three, or mm-hmm. it's 
559, you know, 455 and you say can't serve you because we close oh. at 5. If it's yeah. something to do with, you know, um, you know, it starts at 6 o'clock and I hire you as an MC and you don't st- get there until 615, mm-hmm. you know, and saying, okay, I'm supposed to spend my money somewhere that maybe, yeah. you know, because it, it, it it's often in our, in in what we, one might call the black community, right? Like these things happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like, mm-hmm. well, how am I supposed to spend my money if there's not this good uh, stewardship or whatever, you know, of your entrepreneurship yeah. at the same uh-huh. time? Like where's the balance right. between those? And then the third piece of that, and, and then I'll let you go, is – we also are now in a world, right? Some people, you know, and, I, and I, I play this through my mind as well, right? It's like, well, are we just saying this because of, oh, now it's black people that want to do this again? And, you know, it's okay for all these other cultural things and black Americans oh. now are here. And is this why we're now having this discussion? Or is it because we're now more so into a place in America where we're like, but I thought it's not supposed to be color of skin. And we've kind of passed that era and saying, how do we do content of character of, of your character and Mm -hmm. address these issues of being able to say, we have to spend these dollars here. And then the the quality of the business, you know, I don't know. It's again, it's something that's just been permeating in my brain. And so I'd love to get your thoughts on that. And then again, back into your, uh, platform. Yeah, no problem. No, no, I'm, I'm glad you put that out there. Um, the beautiful thing about our country, uh, specifically, uh, and that's why, you know, I, I, I mentioned entrepreneurship because I, I, I'm, I'm a business guy, right? Mm-hmm. So I love business and um, I love investing. I love innovation. I love creation. I love to see, like in a gig economy, for example, yes. you know, um, I think being uh, a free market kind of guy, free enterprise kind of a guy, I think we should allow that to flow. I think mm-hmm. we should unleash unleash the american spirit that's what it's all about uh and that's why quite honest some people are flooding here and like um like the gentleman here your co-host was saying you know not punishing those who are genuinely seeking to come here and do the right thing because you know we do have situations where people that are here that are entrepreneurs they started their businesses you know and they they are employers they have small businesses and they're doing the right thing and so i think we should make way for them you know what i mean because that is what we want and so every all this stuff should be based on merit you know, um, and uh, and again, unleashing the American spirit to be able to allow people who are innovative and creative and, and wanting to do business and not depend on government and, you know, provide for them and their families and pass down a legacy and and, uh, um, and, and inheritance to the next generation. I think we should I think we should want more of that, yeah. you know, and less of government dependency. So um, but again, based on merit, I mean, if you do have situations that, um, you know, you have some quality issues like that. You know, people are late and all this other stuff. And that goes on everywhere. But, I mean, you know, people, again, the beautiful thing is that people have choice. And so um, so on my platform dealing with, you know, that, that's exactly what I was addressing, the fact that we should unleash the American spirit and allow people to be able to launch their businesses and, and, and you know, have it with less taxes, less regulation. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Of course, because all... that stifles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that stifles their growth, you know. And so I know in 2017, 2018, around there, um, I saw, I think it was Black Enterprise Magazine or one of those magazines that said that even uh, black uh, small business ownership was up by 400%. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and then when you had, you know, the previous administration that was also investing in opportunity zones in those, you know what I mean? Yep. Uh, It kind of unleashed it. And, you know, he's a business guy, right? So, I mean, you know, 
that's what we need. We, we need more of that. And so you mentioned Black Wall Street or whatever. I'm for all of us thriving, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and, and, and that's really what it takes. You know, um, one of the quotes you'll see on my website, I said that um, our enemy is not Democrat, Republican, black, white, or brown, but our enemy is an agenda that's being carried out by those seeking to divide and conquer the American right. people. And, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what it is, because mm-hmm. some of these people are all in this thing together. It's about self-interest for a lot of these folks. And that's why many of them would be against term limits, right? Right. <laughs> because, because they're high on the horse, right? You know, they got the best gig in town. When we get shut down and put in the soup line and we got to close our businesses and all this other stuff, they don't miss a check. You know, or I mean, those they people who say that they're for <laughs> those people who say that they're for term limits till they get in there, right? True. And then they get in there, and then they're like, "Oh, wait, not really." Yeah. Well, when's you my know, it's like, okay, you know what? Because I'm really doing, you know, again, we have one of those in New York right now. You know, sorry, you know, like, but you know, that they, they do that. You know, like they'll go and, yeah. you know, you we vote for you because you're saying certain things, and I just want you to be able to stick to the stewardship. Yeah. We're going to go from, I'm going to try and figure out, get rid of that, you know, servant leadership and that stewardship of your political position and saying it's not supposed to be for my gain. Mm -hmm. It's supposed to be for the people's gain. And. And we have we the people have to start holding people accountable. If you're going to go in you're and say that you're right. for something, and then all of a sudden go, well, you know what? But I'm really doing a lot of good. Absolutely. Hey, I uh, need to stay, Terry. So I want to switch subjects a little bit yeah. here to one more platform. Sure. We got about three minutes left, so I'm going to have to sure. uh, your, your answer. But one of the things that you have on your website as well is the First Amendment and freedom of expression. But before yeah. you answer, let me just clear, uh, for our listeners and you, New York State has seen um, recently, uh, actually. Uh, much legislative efforts and judicial actions regarding mm-hmm. uh, what they call a hate speech, right? As a matter yeah. of fact, they, they went through and pushed Assembly Bill A7865A, which aimed to require social media networks to be policed, kind of like what they're doing in Canada right now. That was yeah. turned over in yeah. February of 2023. Sir, what are yeah. you going to do to make sure states like New York and California don't do that? Well, hold them to the U.S. Constitution. <laughs> I mean, it all, it all points back to the United States Constitution, man. I mean, you know, um, and really fight against it, push back against that, and, and federalize it, you know, for the most part. But make it for sure, and you do that through the Constitution. I mean, if we're granted the opportunity to make for sure that people can basically express themselves, and again, that's another reason why people come here, right? Because in some countries, yeah, that's totally right. unallowed, you know what I mean? I mean, I they might find themselves coming up missing in some countries, in some parts mm-hmm. of the world, but the beautiful thing about it is, is our, our ability to express. I'll give you this. Um, in the state of North Carolina, there was a pastor, particularly a bishop, who said that when he came out, and I think it was on YouTube or whatever, but but he said when he came out and said that our vice president was not good for the African-American community. He said he looked up and there were three FBI agents on his doorstep. Now, mind you, at first they didn't tell them why they were there, and they initially didn't tell him what he had supposedly had said. And he, so, he, so he asked him, he said, well, well, can you at least tell me what did I say? And they told him, and he said, is that it? He said, now keep this in mind, that's three airline tickets, that's three you know, hotel rooms, that's three meals and all that. FBI now coming to visit this guy as to say that we're watching you, we're listening to you, 
as if he doesn't have freedom of speech. Mm. And so that was kind of the premise in which I was actually saying, okay, I need to add that in here because if they're going to try to silence the people of God, number one, but just silence the American people in general from being able to express yourselves, then that's totally unconstitutional, and we need to fight back against that. So, so that was the, the, the nature of why I actually added that portion into my platform, because the way that I do it as a congressman is to push back and hold people accountable to the United States Constitution, which is the very First Amendment. And so we should not ever allow that. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sir, I know you're representing the 7th District in Virginia, or you're seeking to. When elected, can we count on you to also defend New York State? Because we need defenders. Absolutely. And, and I think what you said in the, uh, in the open of this session of our time together, you did say, you know, my vote here will impact the way you live your life. So I will definitely do that 100%. You got it. Very much. Any uh, uh, Quickly, any 10 seconds, can you do any next steps advice for our listeners? Next steps advice, uh, I'll say keep the faith, man. I mean, you know, I think, um, uh, you know, let God arise and our enemies be scattered, as they say. But uh, but keep the faith, man. Keep, keep everyone in prayer. I think when we come together as one, as a United States of America, and as we as the people, I think we're forced to be reckoned with. And I think we would send that message to, to Washington any day. So, yeah, I'm with you 100%. What's your website, real quick? My website is Terrace Todd, T-E-R-R-I-S. Thank you for your time. Thank you for coming on the show, sir. Thank you for your support. You have a blessed day. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, say it with me. Leadership is the beacon that guides me, for it is through selfless service that I illuminate the way for others to find their own greatness. Hey, be a leader. Advertise with us. NextStepShow.com. Que tengan una semana bendecida until Monday. Hey, never forget, the YBYSL stations, your next step show, Te Amamos. Reconoce.